welcome to the Banbury Beer Podcast for December 2019. Later on in the show, we're going to be looking at uh, non-slash-low-alcohol beer, uh, what is behind this trend and uh, what is available in the local area. And we'll also be hearing my chat with Luke Roberts from Wrigley Monkey Brewery, based in Vista, and finding out all about them. But let's start with some news stories. So we'll start with a couple of national stories. And uh, the Tiny Rebel Brewery uh, are in the news again for their labelling. Welsh Brewer Tiny Rebel has been told it must change the design of its kutch like cans, following a complaint from a member of the public that it looks very appealing and bright, they look like energy drinks, very clearly aimed at teenagers to encourage them to take up drinking. This type of promotion should not be allowed to be displayed on these cans. This follows a previous complaint about their can design in 2017, after which Tiny Rebel made changes which were okayed by the Portman Group, who oversee the the labelling of beer cans. Uh, It also follows hot on the heels of a legal dispute between the brewery and PepsiCo, over the naming of uh, their beer uh, Club Tropicana, as they own the Tropicana juice brand. As a result, the brewery has rebranded the beer as Club Tropica, starting next year, um, and they are also scheduled to make a non-alcoholic version of the beer, which will be amusingly titled Club Tropica Tropica NA. So using the same letters. Next, uh, we've got a potentially huge story about Marston uh, and their pubs. Uh, In a potentially landmark ruling, Marston's PLC have been found to have been misleading its tenants as to the amount of saleable beer in its casks by not accounting for the 5% or so of unsaleable yeast sediment in the barrels. This is despite knowing these volumes, because uh, they uh, put them in their tax returns. As Marston's calculates the rent it charges based on the amount of beer the pub should be selling, they have effectively been overcharging their tenants. Although they have now reached an agreement with a specific complainant, the ruling has opened Marston up to being challenged by all of its tenants, and uh, which is approximately 400 tenants in pubs, which could cost the company millions in rent reductions. Some commentators believe that this could be the PPI of pubs, with the possibility that they may need to compensate former tenants who are no longer with the company. Craft beer has seen an overall sales drop, uh, despite an increase in draft, due to a fall in packaged uh, beer. Overall sales have dropped 1% compared to the previous year. Packaged beer has actually seen a 9% drop in sales, driven by a loss in points of sale and a rate of sale. And now draft has reached the point that package was at around 18 months ago, so that could possibly follow suit and also uh, see a drop. A Dutch scientist has suggested that certain strong Belgian beers might be of health benefit. Uh, in small quantities, due to the presence of probiotic molecules which are beneficial to your gut microflora. Professor Eric Klaassen from Amsterdam University, speaking at an event organised by Yakult, said that beers such as Hogarden and Westmarla Triple undergo two rounds of fermentation, and it's the second uh, round of fermentation which happens in the bottle, uh, which uses a variety of yeast which is known to produce acids which are thought to be detrimental to harmful gut bacteria. Moving a bit closer to home now, and the Lock 29 development, which is going to be in the old BHS site uh, in the Castle Quay here in Banbury, have released some images of what the development could look like. Uh, we hope to catch up soon in the new year with Chris, the manager of Lock 29, to find out what they're going to have in the way of beer. A couple of stories finally from Tap Social. Um, if you haven't managed to do your Christmas shopping, well, there's still time to, uh, to, get, to get some shopping done. Uh, ever wanted to brew your own beer in a brewery? 
Uh, why not ask Santa to treat or treat yourself to a brew school ticket at the Botley Base Brewery Tap Social? Using a state-of-the-art Speedle Braumeister 20-litre system, you'll have a six-hour brewing lesson one Saturday, followed by a two-hour bottling session a couple of weeks later, where you'll get around 48 bottles to take home. There's a choice of beer styles to brew. A t-shirt and a pint are included on the brew day, and you have the option to create personalised labels as well, with all ingredients included. And in other tap social news, the brewery are going to be reopening the White House pub in the Abingdon Road in Oxford, uh, hopefully in the spring, um, and we'll continue the brewery's policy of giving ex-offenders the opportunity to gain experience of working in the hospitality industry. In addition to great beer and food offering, the plan is to make the venue a local hub, hosting yoga classes, live music and a cafe. That's all the news for this month, but if you've got a hot tip uh, for a story that we should be covering, then uh, do get in touch. Just email banburybeer at gmail.com or search for us on Twitter. I'm here at Wrigley Monkey Brewery with Luke Roberts. Hello, Luke. Hello. Thank you very much for the invite today. This is an amazing space. So we're sitting here in the tap room, which is a very... uh, Fancy modern concept, I think the tap room. It is um, <laughs> quite a loose, a loose concept here. The tap room <laughs> is the brewery. Here. It's uh, we've got one room and it's used for everything. So uh, yeah. it's nice and cozy on this yeah. quite cold uh, November still, November yeah. day. So uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. You can see the equipment behind you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's our take of a tap room. It's sort of trying <laughs> to be as authentic as possible, but. Um, you know, it is, it is a place that you come in, and this is where it is all made, and it is all produced. No food bars. Yeah, exactly. It's um, it is you know, as honest as it gets. And if you if you're here in the summer and we're running a bit late on a brew, you know, there's people that sat outside as we're sweeping the floor before they can come in. So uh, yeah. So you've you've been around since uh, 2018. Yeah. You started. Yeah. So, so just over a year. Just every year now. So um, yeah, we had our one year anniversary back in September, end of September with our Oktoberfest. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, really. It's hmm. been good, but uh, yeah, a, a roller coaster. Because you're not, you're not a brewer by historically, you're not a brewer, are you? No, um, <laughs> no. My background's engineering, um, so I started off life uh, as a placement student at Formula One, working for uh, Williams, uh, just inside of Oxford. Uh, designed fuel pumps and clutches and various <laughs> other bits of the car, and was there for about eighteen months, nearly two years. Um, and then, and then actually went into management consulting for um, about six years, working in everything from submarine rebuilds to um, <laughs> restructuring and uh, changing the way the largest fostering agency works in the UK. So uh, quite a, a breadth and wide portfolio. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then yeah, got got kind of bored of office life and decided that I wanted a change of uh, approach. And beer is something I've always loved. Um, cars is my other passion. Yeah. And, uh, this we've tried to try and combine cars and beer in the right way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, not necessarily the most happy bedfellows. <laughs> no, exactly. It's it's one of those things. A lot of classic car enthusiasts also like a good proper beer, and um, you go to a lot of events and there just isn't any decent quality beer. Mm. So I got fed up of going to Silverstone or you know a hill climb venue in the UK, and you get off the can of yeah, it make sense. and you get a can of Boddington's or something, and you know, sort of said actually there's got to be a different way of doing this. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's where it all came from, and that's what started it all off. Kept out just every year again. So you've got the, the most amazing location then for a car enthusiast. Yeah. We How thought, much time do you actually spend in the brewery? Are you not just <laughs> <laughs> it's quite distracting. Here, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. The favourite car that's come to pick beer up. We've had um, a 
brand new McLaren and Ferrari F40 come and collect beer from here and all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah, we wanted to be here. This was this is a hub, a centre of excellence for historic motoring in the UK, uh, growing massively. Um, and we wanted to be here to be the automotive brewery. The, you know, we, our thing is beer engineered for petrol heads, um, but also beer engineered for beer people as well. It's you know, it's not just about cars. It's, yeah. uh, it's about delivering you know quality beer for people that have an interest in cars and other things. But um, I don't know, connoisseurs of cars and connoisseurs of beer. I think have got quite a lot in common. You know, it's about yeah, it's quite authenticity and, yeah. and enjoyment and quirkiness and different things you know everyone you, you can turn up to a, a beer event and you know I think I love is some people like a beer some people don't like a beer and there's always that sort of discussion it's like that with cars exactly the same with cars you know you've got people who have always had an MG and always want to have an MG and other people that have always had a Riley and always want to have a Riley and you know having that sort of discussion and that not conflict but um, uh, you know debate is part of the fun of it so uh, tell us a little bit about your, your range of beers that you ever ever experimenting yeah. range. So we launched um, just every year ago with Full Tilt, which is the first. So it's the first beer that I commercially brewed, yep. um, and my first car was a Full Tilt Land Rover. So um, that's where the name came from. All of our beers are named after car body styles that we love. Mm-hmm. Um, so Full Tilt is our yeah. 4.2 session ale, proper honest bitter. Um, it's just won a great taste award in bottles, um, so we just had to stick all those stickers on, which is <laughs> um, And then, yeah, we've got Super Sports, our second beer we launched, which is our lightweight, racy beer, as you like to call it, but it's our 3.2%, um, very pale ale, um, so very light, sort of lager, lager ingredients, really, but brewed okay. as an ale. Yeah. Uh, and then after that came Sharabang, which uh, Sharabang is a big, heavy bus that was used take people on holiday yeah uh, and this is our big heavy beer that we like to sort of uh, think is a, a good complement to a holiday but um yeah our 5.3 sharabang is a sort of deep ruby ale and that, then, that's not heavy if you're a craft drinker it's not the... heavy <laughs> craft drinker, but, anyway. but um uh, it's our heavy beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah um and then um yeah and then the final one we've just launched our lager so um mm. we wanted to offer something for in, in sort of the car world terminology rather than the classic car enthusiast who might like an ale you know, with there's there's a whole range of 1990s and 1980s cars that are coming through into the scene yeah. that are now owned by a younger crowd who might have only ever drunk a lager. So we've produced a, a crisp light lager called Goldwyn, which is launched recently. Brilliant, because that's yeah. uh, that definitely seems. Talking about the craft world again, the lager scene seems to be expanding massively. People are realising yeah. it's not this horrible, dirty word. No, it's and not. The, you know, the Germans have lived on it for years, and it's the they're same, not idiots. So. It's the same ingredients, ultimately. Yeah. Um, yeah, some subtle differences, but um, you know, it's it's no different. It's a different process, and it, yeah. it, it takes a bit longer. The challenge for a small brewery is, with lager is the the capacity of your equipment. Um, the lager holds a tank for sort of you know six to eight weeks, oh, right. whereas an ale you can push through a tank in a week into mm. cask. Um, so we've had to buy a dedicated lagering tank just to do the lager. Um, so yeah, there's, there's investment involved, and, and it, it's it's you know it's it's an interesting process. There's lots of things that are different <laughs> that you've got to learn about, um, which we find fun. You know. Um, Myself and Greg, who brews with us, he, um, he, he does most of the brew now. It's actually his recipe is the lager. Um, and, uh, you know, we've had to learn quite a lot about, about the commercial process of lagering. Uh, you know, I've done it at home on a, a, a small kit, but yeah, yeah. scaling it's that up. It's quite different. 
carbonating and, and things like that, you know, forced carbonating rather than naturally carbonating in a cask, it's uh, yeah, been a challenge. <laughs> And uh, you mentioned your kit there, so that's that's actually uh, you can actually come and brew your own beer, can't you? Yeah, well, we're in a fortunate position and also an unfortunate position that we, <laughs> we've got quite a small kit at the moment, and uh, it's it's great because it allows us to do smaller batches of special beers. Are you uh, looking to upscale? We are looking to upscale next year, hopefully. Uh, we'll keep the small kit for yeah, doing yeah. developmental brews and stuff, but yeah, it, it's actually, it, it's sort of a blessing in disguise. We're looking to do a try January this next. Um, Next well, next year, yep. uh, where we're looking to launch a new beer every week as a, as a oh, sample really? and try and get <laughs> people into the brewery to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. combat dry January with try January. Um, so our, I think our next, um, I won't give you the name away yet, but no, our no, next no. beer we're looking to do a much heavier beer, but a, a, a proper traditional IPA, which we should be launching at the end of uh, January, which will hopefully become our regular, our regular um, beer and be the, the fifth one on the taps essentially. Um, so uh, yeah, so those. The kit, it's, um, it's about one and a half barrel um, in UK sort of language. It's uh, a bit bigger if you look at American barrels, which are a, a different measure. Um, <laughs> and being an American kit, it's sort of, it is a slightly, um, you know, the, the, the you have to keep changing yeah, the keep fermenters, exactly. Well, you're an engineer, so you must yeah. be used to going from inches to centimeters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, so it works, um, it works well, it's a nice kit. A lot of it's been designed by me. Um, and modified by me as we've grown. So the actual brew house and our first two fermenters have all doubled in size since we launched. Uh, we got the angle grinder out and sliced them all in half and welded a, a load of sleeves into them and, and expanded the size of them. And uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, been a fun challenge to sort of get it all working, really. But, it, but you can uh, sort of come and bring along your own recipe and the, you yeah, work with people. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's not as straightforward as it could be. Uh, you know, we, we've got some minimum quantities that we have to do just because yeah, we can't yeah. get less than a certain amount in a tank for it to work. Um, so, um, but yes, yeah, so we're doing a brew at the moment for the local university. Um, we've got the first sample of it in, and providing that all goes well, then uh, we'll be doing that on a, a bit of a larger scale for them. Um, and that's actually a, you know, we've, we've taken inspiration from all of our core beers and sort of mix some of them up so we've got hops from Sharon Bang mixed with a, a grain pill from Super Sports with a bit more of full tilt put in there as well so sort of it's going to be quite an interesting sort of nice light 4% um, sort of hoppy ale really. So yeah. And in terms of sales, you've obviously got your, your mobile bar, which you're going to be out in this weekend, I think. Yeah, we've got that out. We've actually got two mobile bars out this weekend. Um, <laughs> so, um, busy time of year. Busy time of year. Uh, yeah, and, and actually most of our production is going out into our tap room, uh, into events that we service throughout the year, uh, and into bottles. And um, we've got a few... Um, you do your own bottling, don't you? We do our own bottling yeah. on site, yeah. Uh, we've got a few... Um, a few outlets locally that are taking the beer but if mm. I'm honest we don't have enough capacity to service them all the time at the moment no, so, so that's part why of our, part of our challenge yeah, is yeah, yeah. Um, so we're hoping to by middle of next year be up to a 10 barrel plant uh, in an ideal world so um, so yeah so uh, yeah mobile bars are out this weekend uh, so we've got a 1950 56 Armstrong Siddeley racing car, which the roll cage holds six barrels of beer, um, <laughs> and then our 1929 Ford has also got a rack in the back that holds four casks or four nines. Um, so that's out uh, as well this weekend. So uh, yeah, we're in Bicester Town Centre for the Christmas lights turning on tomorrow. So that should be good. And then next weekend, um, 
we should be at Stratton Audley Barn, um, who are having a Christmas sort of fair. Oh, the cafe? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've been there and once. selling. Um, there was nothing there when Christmas I lived there. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, there's nothing apart from, the, apart from the red line. Yeah. There was nothing else in the village. And so there's a bit of a, um, uh, a sort of fun video we've made with them that should be launching next week, hopefully. Fantastic. And your, yeah. your lovely uh, tap room that we're sitting in is also. Can you hire it out for parties and Yeah, we do. We've had quite a few sort of private events over the year. We, we, we're a bit constrained on size, well, uh, which if anyone's been here will intimate. understand it. It's an intimate venue. It's, it's not. I mean, um, you're pitching, you're, you're, you're projecting an image of it being a garden shed. It's not. Yeah, it's it? not that small. <laughs> um, no, so we've done, some, uh, we've done some really fun stuff. Um, just noticed actually one of our customer regulars has just walked in who's a local chef. And last year we did a, um, a pop-up restaurant in here and um, we've done our own events here. And then we've also had some private parties. We had Lotus Seven Club do their uh, Christmas presentation here the other day and brought one of the local food trucks from Bister in. Um, and they did a full three-course steak and chips meal in the brewery. Um, so yeah, we do some fun things and try and use the space as best we can. <laughs> And uh, what are you, you got some plans coming up for next year? Obviously, you mentioned expansion, but uh, you've yeah. you got some beer ideas you, you can let us into? Yeah, beer ideas. So we're hoping to do a number of um, beers through January, so try January rather than dry January. Uh, and then we're looking to expand the range uh, and also move into, we've got an idea and we're working on a low alcohol beer um, for the last um, Sort of couple of years, and we're looking to try and commercialise that and move that into uh, into sort of casks ready for the, the summer, really, as well. So, a lot of work to do on that, though. That's sort of where the chemistry and the fun and engineering side of it. I mean, it sounds like it should be easy to do, but yeah, I'm sure it's not. I think, uh, I think it's it's probably wrong to say it's easy to make a low alcohol beer, but it's, it's easy to make any beer. It's easy it's to make a bad non alcohol it, It's difficult to make a really good beer, and that's what we want to do. You know, we um, we pride ourselves in our in our product. So. And you love a challenge. Yeah, we do like a challenge. As yeah. an engineer. As I mean, an engineer, yeah, exactly. That's, that's part of your making. Yeah. Well, Luke, it's fantastic to talk to you. Thanks yeah. so much for your time. No trouble. And uh, best of luck next year with the expansion. Thank you very much. We, we will eagerly watch uh, watch this space that's and see, and, see uh, how it goes. And you know, come down and visit us. We're open every Friday in the tap room. I didn't even mention that. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, like tonight, it's uh, hopefully people can hear, but it's it's getting busy now. We've got a food truck. We've got in fact a wood-fired pizza oven outside the front door, and we do that every couple of weeks. Uh, not necessarily pizza, but all sorts of different um, cuisines. Uh, but yeah, open all time, and, and we're here during the week as well, brewing. So if you want to grab some bottles or order a barrel for a party or whatever, just call in. And uh, there's normally someone here, and there'll be bang on the door. Yeah, yeast and hops and uh, and grain <laughs> flying everywhere. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Luke. Cheers. Cheers. With 2020 on the horizon, like millions of other people around the country, you may be thinking about using the new year as a time to improve your health and diet, and that could get you thinking about your alcohol consumption. If you decide to cut back, you might want to think about giving low-alcohol beer another go. Not so long ago, the choice for those not drinking was either to be on the mixers all night or hope that the pub had something vaguely passable in the way of uh, non-alcoholic beer. These were few and far between, unless the pub happened to uh, be importing something from uh, Germany, say. And uh, one of the better-known examples is probably Calibre, that was made by Guinness, which was introduced in 1986. But more recently, the choices on offer for the driver or person choosing not to drink have expanded massively, and it is now possible to find something half-decent. Heresy, I hear some of you cry. 
Well, perhaps not. With the help of Tom from the SteadyDrinker.com website, we're going to take a look at non-alcoholic beer. But uh, before we get into it, uh, there's uh, something of an elephant in the room that we need to uh, try and at least try and clear up, uh, and that is the way that uh, beers are labelled here in the UK. So the UK labelling regulations dictate that UK-produced beer can be labelled as alcohol-free if it contains less than 0.05% alcohol by volume. It can be classed as de-alcoholised if between 0.05 and 0.5% alcohol, or it can be labelled as reduced alcohol if between 0.5 and 1.2%. Uh, I think usually reduced, they actually label as low alcohol. The laws around whether you can call it alcohol-free at 0.5%, because in Europe you can, Yeah, uh, it seems to be an EU thing, but for some reason that hasn't come into the law here, which is a bit confusing, because if you go into a shop and there's a German beer, it'll say alcohol-free, but it's 0.5%. Yep. And yep. then you've got a UK producer that's not allowed to say that because of the labelling. And, and again, I'm not even sure if it's labelling laws. It's kind of like guidance. And I don't think anyone's right. really challenged it in court or anything like that. But it, yeah, it, it is confusing that everything has different different labels. And like you say, you've got people like me saying no alcohol. So I'm, I'm uh, confusing matters even more, really. The labelling situation in the UK is causing unnecessary confusion to the consumer and as a result is likely to be causing a loss in sales. When the labelling regulations were changed in Denmark, for instance, reducing the threshold for calling a beer alcohol-free from 0.5% to 0.1% saw a sales increase of threefold in the next three years. Many see prohibition in the US as one of the starting points for Nolo beer, as it was decided that 0.5% would be the threshold for determining whether something should be banned or not. Some breweries decided to make decided to make something called near beer that was pale and lacking in flavour as a way of continuing to produce beer whilst prohibition was in place. Some have even suggested that some people developed a taste for this style of beer during the prohibition era. The breweries continued to make it, re- removing less of the alcohol, um, and uh, that is why that many American beers are crap. You could make a case here in Britain for it going back many hundreds of years, as beer was widely drunk due to the lack of safe drinking water. The beer would have been pretty weak, uh, although obviously higher than half a percent, uh, but it was great for people working in the fields, as it was full of uh, important nutrients. So what's happening in terms of sales at the moment? Well, in pubs, the biggest non-alcoholic beer seller is Bex Blue, uh, making around £20 million this year, with Heineken making a huge surge of over 100%, up to about £14 million. Ab Inbev, the world's largest brewer, plans to increase its sales of Nolo beer from 8% of its total sales in 2017 to 20% by 2025 and sales at the supermarkets have also increased sharply with an increase of around 38 million pounds in the last year alone so clearly there's something of a trend of it becoming more popular it would appear that here in the uk the situation is definitely lagging behind our european cousins Uh, in an interview by stuart stone from morning advertiser with the founder of the brewery lucky saint who make uh, a really good non-alcoholic beer um luke bose's is quoted as saying there are two big markets for non-alcoholic beer consumption uh, and they're Germany and Spain. Culturally they have a very different viewpoint on alcohol consumption whereby I don't think that they feel the need to apologise in the same way that the Brits do. That's if uh, you don't want to have a drink. The Spanish have a bunch of occasions on which they drink alcohol-free beer very willingly. 15% of beer sales in Spain are non-alcoholic whereas in the UK it's less than half a percent. I've got a suspicion that in five years one in ten beers in this country will be non-alcoholic. 
So what exactly is driving this trend in popularity of non-alcoholic beer? Well, there's many contributing factors. Uh, some of them are things like the availability. More breweries are trying to get a slice of the action uh, and are producing non-alcoholic beers. And supermarkets and pubs are stocking a wider range. There have also been some significant changes in the technologies that are available, which mean that you can produce a better tasting beer. There's a clear trend of people drinking less, particularly younger people, and also at certain times of the year, such as dry jan. And the continuing increase in cost of alcohol is obviously putting some people off, so they may look for non-alcoholic alternatives. So let's try and take a look at each of these contributory factors individually. I'm going to start with the availability of the beer, uh, the range of styles that are available and the number of producers that are making them. I talked to Tom from Steady Drinker about the types of breweries that are making non-alcoholic beer and also some of the styles that are now available. I think there's some uh, quite a few start-up breweries that have seen there's a, a gap in the market and if yep. you read about a lot of their the background to them they're probably similar to me where they've they've given up drinking and thought well we can do a better job than what was already out there so you know that was looking five years ago when there wasn't many yeah. options out there yeah but now because you've got, you've got the upward trend and yeah you've got these breweries that are specializing uh but you've also got quite a lot a lot of big breweries that i imagine have got shareholders that aren't very happy that they're <laughs> probably going to lose out because people are drinking less and right. So they yep. got to move into. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of. Well, there seems to be a style for every taste, really. So you've got your pale ales, your, like you say, your lagers. There's quite a few sours, there's quite a few wheat beers, a few darker beers as well. Yeah. Uh, one thing we're simply struggling with is coming up with kind of like a traditional bitter non-alcoholic beer right. struggling again that's down to my taste so I haven't found anything that could really rival a good pint of kind of best bitter yeah yeah. but um, it, it seems that a lot of breweries as well are using a lot of US hops a lot of American hops that are really aromatic and um, a, a lot of dry hopping as well and I, yeah. I get the feeling that is to maybe make up for some of the other shortcomings in the flavour. Yeah. And so you say we're seeing lagers and parallels, but quite a lot of the non-alcoholic lagers are using dry hopping, so they taste more like a kind of a American parallel rather than, than a lager because there's, there's so much kind of citrusy, tropical, uh, piney flavours going on because they've dry hopped it with, with um, kind of US hops. So you've mentioned already that uh, the, the range of beers that are available is increasing all the time. Um, not only are more bars and supermarkets stocking them in response to these increase in sales, there are also a wider range of beers becoming available all the time as the breweries try and come and move in and take a piece of the trend. Many of the beers you'll find, particularly in pubs, are versions of the big lager brands. The brand recognition makes it easier for people to give it a go, uh, though some may be dis disappointed um, when they uh, taste it and mentally compare it to uh, the alcohol-containing version of it. Of possibly greater interest um, are the smaller-scale producers who are coming out with beers of a range of styles. And some of these breweries even specialise in making uh, non-alcoholic beer. Um, breweries such as Nirvana and Big Drop here in the UK and uh, one in the US called Athletic Brewery, and there's, there's many others, some in Australia as well. Um, 
yeah, so as with all things, um, these breweries are kind of popping up all the time. One of the areas of modern brewing that creates some of the most interesting beers is the collaboration phenomena, where brewers get together to create new beers, usually limited edition. And Nolo has now reached a point where this is happening as well. Uh, with specialist um, brewery Big Drop, working with uh, a group of different beers to create a uh, four-pack that you can uh, find online. There's a wide range of uh, Nolo beers available here in the Banbury area. Um, all the local supermarkets have quite a range. Um, I'll probably put up a list um, at some point. And our very own Apothecary Tap uh, stocks uh, at least four different non-alcoholic beers, a couple of which are exclusive um, and all brilliant. An even wider range of beers is obviously available online. So if you decide to go down that route, I'd suggest that you visit steadydrinker.com as uh, Tom's got some links there to the websites which uh, give you a discount code. And while you're there, you should definitely check out some of the reviews of uh, over 100 different beers that he's tried. Next, let's take a look at the lifestyle reasons that people are deciding to move towards non-alcoholic beer. And uh, here's Tom with his reasons for his change in lifestyle. I I was one of those people that was a bit dubious of non-alcoholic beer, but decided to give the, the Brewdog one a try. Because uh, yep. they sell it in quite a lot of shops. Um, I think they sell it in like the local petrol station to me, so it's really really easy to buy. Tried it, I was, I was really surprised at the quality of it, and and from there, really, I've been on a bit of a mission to try as many as possible. And yeah, since my daughter was born, I, I found that even just having one beer made me feel a little bit drunk, and I didn't feel like I would be best place to look after her or. Mm. place to wake up in the middle of the night and do the, the feeds and that kind of thing. So I carried on with the non-alcoholic beer and I found it's really kind of fitted in nicely with my lifestyle as well. And yeah, like you say, I do still now and again, I'm not completely yep. teetotal yeah, yeah. Um, or anything like that, but I don't really drink as much at all as I used to. Um, probably drink the same amount of beers, but it's all low and no alcohol now. There seems to be a trend where people are trying to be a little bit healthier, less people are drinking. Uh, for example, I work, uh, my day job's at a university, and the, the student union mm. doesn't sell beer, alcohol at all. And from what I understand, that's quite common as well now. Yeah. Um, people that, or younger people that are doing their drinking, don't want to do it at university. They just want to do it at um, pubs and bars. But, yeah, there seems to be a, lo- there seems to be a lot less of that drinking culture with young people i know when i went to university i, I drank a lot yeah. and uh that was part of the experience but um yeah younger people especially seem to not not be drinking quite as much and um yeah i think a lot of people i know that are into their alcohol-free beers are kind of my age and maybe up a little bit as well i think there's yeah there seems to be quite a big drinking uh issue with kind of older people and I think a lot of people are realising that they drink too much and they're looking for replacements and uh, yeah that's probably what's going towards the trend. In addition to the obvious health benefits of reducing your alcohol intake there is some evidence to suggest that non-alcoholic beer could actually be good for you. In a study of 277 male marathon runners conducted in Germany half of the participants were given between one and one and a half litres of non-alcoholic beer 
a day, and the other half a similar placebo drink, which contained the same ingredients, but lacked some of the important chemicals that are found in beer, um, which are called polyphenols, which are still found in non-alcoholic beer. And they were given these drinks for three weeks before, during, and two weeks after they took part in the Munich Marathon. The group given the non-alcoholic beer had a lower level of an important inflammatory molecule, uh, IL-6, in their blood. They had a lower incidence of upper respiratory tract infection after their marathon and fewer white blood cells in the peripheral blood immediately after the race compared to the control group. And in case you're wondering, the beer that the participants were drinking was Erdinger alcohol-free, which uh, I can recommend. It's pretty good. Let's take a look at some of the ways in which non-alcoholic beer is made. Essentially, you can break it down into two uh, main categories. So you're either um, going to produce a beer relatively normally and then remove the alcohol from it, or there's an alternative method, which I'll come into at the end, where you brew the beer in a different way so that the alcohol is never actually in there in the first place. So if we first look at the more uh, traditional method, I suppose, uh, which is uh, brewing normally and then removing the alcohol, um, alcohol has a different boiling point to water, so the the oldest methods are simply heating the beer um, and then the alcohol is driven off before um, you start reducing, uh, before boiling off the water. The problem with this is that uh, as you heat the beer, um, a lot of the, the flavour um, molecules in the beer uh, are degraded by the heat process. So although you may remove the alcohol, you've also wrecked the beer. And this might be why that uh, some of the beers in the past didn't taste very good. So there's various tweaks that people have made over the years to this process. And one of them is uh, if you um, do the heating under a vacuum, then uh, the heat that you need to, the temperature that you need to get to in order to drive off the alcohol is uh, reduced. And therefore there's less damage to the flavour molecules in the beer. There's also a more recent uh, method um, using reverse osmosis, where the beer, the beer is filtered through a very fine grade filter, which only allows the water and the alcohol through. Um, so that you're then left with um, the kind of syrupy um, mixture, which is, um, you know, your, uh, it contains the beer flavorings. Um, you, you can then heat the water and the alcohol, um, remove the alcohol, and then uh, add the water back to your beery syrup uh, in order to uh, produce your beer. You then have to add a, a bit of CO2 afterwards um, to mimic the natural carbonation that would happen during secondary fermentation. So that's uh, broadly the, the techniques that are, um, are used where you uh, remove the alcohol. Um, but uh, there's also a, a lot of work being done in uh, ways in which you can prevent the alcohol getting there in the first place. Um, one thing you can do is you could uh, alter your recipe slightly. Um, so uh, you, you change the sugars that are available in the wort to the yeast. Um, and then if there's less fermentable sugar there in the in your wort, then obviously you uh, produce less alcohol. More recently, a lot of effort has gone into producing yeast strains, largely non-saccharomyces strains, which have different abilities to ferment the standard sugars, maltose and glucose, that you find in uh, the beer wort. Uptake of these alternative yeast strains has been quicker in the wine industry as they are a natural component of the microflora that develops during fermentation. There is naturally some reluctance in the modern brewery to introduce non-standard strains as you could uh, get contamination to the other beers that you're making, but uh, people are gradually um, changing over to, uh, to try and use these different yeasts. 
So there are positive and negatives for all these different methods. Um, for some, the cost of the equipment that's required in order for you to uh, to be able to use them is just prohibitive for the brewery to be able to do it. So they might have to do uh, a different method. Um, and some breweries end up using a combination of different methods, making a sort of proprietary recipe for their the way that they produce their, their non-alcoholic beer. So one final word on this is, uh, I would say, uh, manage your expectations. Uh, if you're thinking of giving them a go, do it, but uh, go in with an open mind. If you're expecting to drink something that is the same as an alcoholic beer, just without the alcohol, then you're probably going to be disappointed, as obviously the alcohol adds um, not just a flavour characteristic, but a kind of change to the mouthfeel. And one negative that is often thrown at non-alcoholic beer is uh, that it just feels thin and watery which is true for some, but not for all. Here's Tom with his idea of what you should be comparing non-alcoholic beer to. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people are comparing, they compare non-alcoholic beer to their favourite alcoholic yeah. beer. Yeah. That's a mistake a lot of people make. The better thing for me is to compare what you're drinking to the alternative if, uh, it's kind of like the alternative soft drink. I enjoy drinking non-alcoholic beer because it's nicer than just, Especially if you go to the pub, there's only so many lime and sodas you can have, yeah. so, so many glasses of orange juice you can have. Yeah. Um, and it's also a lot healthier than some of the soft drinks that are out there. Mm, with all the sugar. If you choose, yeah, yeah. If you, if you choose, uh, kind of choose wisely, because there are some non-alcoholic beers that have got some, I wouldn't say dodgy ingredients, but <laughs> some kind of unnatural stuff. And maybe added sugar, and um, they might have a lot of sugar as well because of the, the way they're brewed, and maybe uh, the sugar wasn't um, yeah. Yeah. fermented. Uh, so they, they can be high sugar, but then again, that's natural sugar. And uh, yeah, I think if you compare most non alcoholic beers to you know, Coca Cola or um, like orange juice is good for you if you have a small amount of it, but if you drank five pints of orange juice, <laughs> I can't imagine that would be, uh, be too good for you. So if you compare it to the alternative soft drink, then it normally makes them a, a good option. That's all we've got for this month's Banbury Beer Podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Huge thank you to Luke Roberts at Wrigley Monkey Brewery in Bicester uh, for giving up so much time uh, when I went to see him. And also a massive thank you to Tom at SteadyDrinker.com for all his uh, input on the uh, non-alcoholic beer topic. As always, we'd love for you to get in touch. You can find us on Twitter at Banbury Beer or email BanburyBeer at gmail.com. So have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Cheers. (laughs) 